0: Do you ever feel inadequate, like a fraud, like no matter what you do, it's just not enough, like you're always on the verge of being found out? You may be wrestling with imposter syndrome, an excessive and unsubstantiated feeling of self-doubt coupled with an extreme lack of confidence. I'm your host, Betty Danowitz. Tune in as I interview highly successful individuals about their experience with this psychological phenomenon. In this If You Ask Betty podcast series, I have questions about imposter syndrome. Today's special guest is Hadiah Nariddin, CEO of Duets Learning. Hi, Hadia. Hi, Betty. How, How are you? I'm good. How are you doing? Fantastic. Wonderful. So Hadiah, tell us about you.
1: Well, um, I am an instructional designer, e-learning developer, lives just right outside of Chicago. Um, I'm originally from Detroit. I moved here about 26 years ago. I actually moved here to be an actress. Ask me how that's going. Uh, (laughs) And I thought, you know, the glamour of, uh, you know, uh, tech support first and then uh, training and development, which is much more important. So that's where I'm at. I actually kind of feel fulfilled in that regard because I feel like if you are a facilitator, you are an actress (laughs) because you have to get up there and boom, boom, boom. That's the truth. Even when you don't feel like it, Um, you know, so uh, that that in part in that way, that mission was accomplished. But uh, yeah, that's that's what I do.
0: Wonderful. And so tell us, well, I'm from Detroit, too. So Mm -hmm. we're like, kindred sisters there, kindred souls um, from the Detroit area. And Chicago is like a cousin city, so it works out nicely. Right. I um, don't want to go too far.
1: So I just ran yeah. out of gas. It's like, I'll stay here.
0: <laughs> I bet you did run out of gas. That's hilarious. Um,
1: <laughs> what,
0: what would you say are some of your biggest accomplishments in life and in work?
1: You know, I would say I've thought about this through the years, and I think because of the the timing in which I did it and the resources with which I had to do it, I would say the move from Detroit to Chicago is my greatest accomplishment. It's gone unparalleled. And primarily because I think now, if I want to go to the grocery store that I've never seen before, I need to look it up online. I need to see if they have what I have. I mean, all of this planning just to go to the grocery store. I went all the way to Chicago pre-internet and figured it out. And didn't I'm like, how did I get anywhere? I didn't have a car, you know, my I, to, to track all the bus routes. It looked like one of those crime bulletin boards with the with the red yarn all over the place. It was just very strategic yep. of how I would take this bus to that bus. It, it was really a fun adventure to try to figure out the city. I didn't have any, um, I would say I knew people who had moved, but usually it was because of some entanglement or a job or something. I hadn't mm-hmm. known anyone who just said bye and uh, just moved on their own. I was 24 right. at the time. So, uh, to me, that's just you know i've you know I've done a, a lot, but that that definitely is the thing where I sit back in awe of like, "Wow, how did I pull that off um I guess professionally the the biggest shock is uh freelancing for ten years. you know, uh, my mother said to me once, "I can't believe you just made yourself a job, I'm like me neither." <laughs> You know, that I just was able to <laughs> uh, make this work and keep working and not be, you know, uh, homeless yeah. at this point is a, is an amazing thing. Um, you know, there's this quote that I learned many years after moving to Chicago. Of, I think it's Henry Ford. I've heard lots of attributions, but obst- it's obstacles are what you see when take, you take your eyes off the goal. And that is definitely what it was like um, moving to uh, Chicago with a job at Kinkos, you know, I didn't see anything in my way. And I'm like, I'm going. That's it. And so I always sort of try to muster that the courage of that inner twenty four year old sometimes of uh when I when I don't wanna when I'm scared to do something, I try to tap into her energy. So remember her? I don't know what she did. She was so great.
0: Yeah. Remember her. Yeah. I like that. So I'm gonna take that question that I just asked you and kind of turn it on its ear a little bit what what would others say about you what would they say are your biggest accomplishments
1: um you know i think people are are more impressed by what i reveal <laughs> i i'm very mm. i play my cards close to my chest a little bit and you know usually yeah, kind of going with the topic is because of. Fear of judgment and fear of this and all of that. So, uh, you know, I think people are you know usually impressed with my um, career accomplishments. Being able to start my own business is one of them, and um, you know, I have two master's degrees. So, you know, my education. It's more the uh, the stuff that I share. I think um, mostly because I think it will impress sure. people <laughs> more than more than anything else. I would say, you know, I think uh, when people talk about me, the thing that they say mostly is that they think I'm funny and they think I'm smart. I think those are the, the two things that stand out. Everything else they don't say within um, earshot. Yeah. So I don't know. <laughs> I could guess, but I don't know. Yeah.
0: <laughs> so now you also, you wrote a book,
1: didn't you? Yeah, and uh, yeah, nothing throws you into the pit of (laughs) self-doubt like writing a book. Uh, You know, Uh it was, uh, yeah, it was interesting, interesting situation. I have what I call an inner agent. But what I did earlier this year was I did come up with this um, 10 video series that I call The Fog of Freelancing. And I got that from one of my favorite documentaries called The Fog of War uh, by- The uh, Fog of
0: Freelancing.
1: Yeah. And uh, it's on YouTube. I have a channel called Live Learn. And um, so I got it from this documentary called The Fog of War. For some reason, I'm obsessed with the Vietnam War. Don't know why. I've seen every documentary I could possibly find about it. And it's um, The Fog of War, um, I think it's 11 lessons, from um, uh, Robert McNamara and he was the Secretary of Defense during part of the Vietnam War. And I love the way they told uh-huh. the story where they presented this lesson and then the story behind, the stories behind how we learned that lesson. And so these videos are presented in the same way. And so I just did it to commemorate my 10 my year anniversary and to really sort of think about all I've learned during that period and not really focus on this is how you write an invoice but really sort of, you know, how do you, um, how do you stay motivated, you know, to freelance? How do you make a name for yourself? How you see yourself makes such a big difference. And just sort of those nuanced things, because those were the things that defined my journey more than which software I should use. It was who am I and how that shifted over time. You know, I think there's a few things in your life that make you question and really, I guess, refine your values. Um, those life moments, you know, getting married, having a child and all of this. And this was one of those moments that forced me to go, who am I? What do I value? Why am I doing this? What am I sacrificing? And is it worth it? And those videos are about my journeys Mm -hmm. through that. Yeah.
0: All right, so just to recap, um so you you're, you have two master's degrees, you're yeah. uh, you've been successfully freelancing for 10 years. Uh you have a YouTube series and channel um mm-hmm. all about freelancing and then you also uh just for funsies, wrote a book. because. Why just not? Yeah. Anything yeah. else I mean, have you won any awards? You got an Oscar, Grammy, <laughs> anything like that? Like-
1: I didn't want to say anything. No, I do not have. <laughs> it was just an honor to be nominated. No, uh, not yet. That's, that's on my list to uh, get an award. Uh, but you are but, a speaker. Uh, yeah, not yet. I know I've seen you I on am a speaker. several conference yeah, circuits. Yeah. I am on the circuit. Yeah, which was uh, mm-hmm. a funny thing. Um, but yeah, I... I you know, as I, I say this in the series, that, you know, one thing is always true about having your own business is they can't hire you if they can't find you. So either you're going to get out there and do the, the, the right. hard hustle, right. get on those phones, or you make them come to you. And uh, those conferences, yeah. if nothing else, gives you the Google hits and gives you the, the content marketing. And, uh, you know, and also you, it's it's a fun thing. You learn so much more about the topics. Um, as you research them, yeah, so yeah, time. it's been a rewarding uh, experience to, to do that, so we'll see how long that goes. Good.
0: That's good. Mm-hmm.
1: Uh,
0: <laughs> Keep on keeping on you on uh, <laughs> be
1: So that's all day. I've done.
0: Gosh, we can darn. we yeah, yeah. <laughs> we can hang out in person when we can go to the conferences. I'll be there, um, you know, I'm a staple Whether I want to be, yeah.
1: which I do. Um, you never think it's right, like, oh, it's so, proposal season so, and you don't want to, but you always do. They always keep really bad. At the last minute, you're yes. like, all right, I'll fill it up. It's always book. like,
0: I don't know if I want to do it. But you're like, yeah, oh, it's okay. not it, worth it. <laughs> like, all all right,
1: right. Yeah,
0: yeah. <laughs> yeah, okay, I'm going to do it. <laughs> so, so what has been your experience with imposter syndrome?
1: Well, um, for me, it comes in the form of negative self-talk. So negative self-talk is my constant companion, and um, at least it was until just a few years ago. It, it went um, un, uncountered um, for uh, until a few years ago, where it was the only thing. And it, and it was so interesting. Is in the beginning of my adulthood, or I guess I should probably say um, since I, when I gained consciousness as a female human being, uh, it was uh, you're not doing this good enough. You're not doing that good enough and then um, as i got older and accomplished some things i was ready to present my case that i i can do these things enough and then it it's kind of switches on you and says oh i'm sorry what we meant to say is that you are not enough okay <laughs> so it doesn't matter what you do you 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 are not enough right and so you are you know constantly trying to uh, you know meet this meet this standard that is elusive and not there. So when I was about, um, uh, what year was this? I think this was 2015. Um, I decided to venture into getting a life coach and I get this life coach and she says something to me that completely blew me away. And I was telling her about this negative self-talk and this voice in my head that's like, you're not good enough. You're not doing this enough. And look, and mostly the, you know, the, the biggest card that it would play was that you're not like these people. You know, it, you know, if it couldn't just stay yeah. with you not being good enough, it's like you're this person does that better. That person, look at you, can't do that, right? And um, and she says something to me that really shocked me was that she goes, "That's you know, that's not your voice, right?" What do you mean, it's not my voice? She goes, "It's not you because I'm really good about feeling bad about feeling bad, you know. So you beat your it's a shame spiral, right? You you feel bad and then you feel bad because you yes. feel bad, um, and." I, at first I thought that's that doesn't make any sense because that would mean that something else other than me shaped my life because the negative voice creates the barriers of my life. And if that's not me, then that's something else. And I do not appreciate that. <laughs> so it took me a while to come to terms with that. And first I thought it was one specific person. And then I realized that it really was a cacophony of voices of not just people but society and the media and everything else that just says hey I mean I always use hair commercials as a good as an example you know imagine as a little you know black girl from Detroit being told from day one don't you want your hair to look like this I mean that gets you think I'm not paying attention it's a commercial but you're eight it's getting in (laughs) it's sinking in all of these things are sinking in so all of those things sort of Become this virus that you catch in COVID terms. You know, I feel like this is a virus that I caught, and I need antibodies. So somewhere in the beginning of 2015 or 16, you know, that there's the, the voice sort of berates me, another voice sort of appeared out of the. You know, at first it was very faint, very like you're my only hope. You know, very faint, and then it sort of appeared yeah, and it began yeah, to yeah. counter this voice. And so meanwhile, I'm just like this battle between these two voices of the positive one saying, shut up. What you're saying is a lie. Stop telling her that that's not true. She doesn't have to compare herself to other people. You stop it. It's like, oh my God, that voice went uncountered all these years. Now all of a sudden I have these antibodies that are like, stop it. That's not, that's not you. And so, um, for a couple of years, that sort of battle royale was playing out until we we reached a settlement with the negative voice. And the negative voice sort of pleaded, you, you saw I'm a storyteller, everything's a narrative. Uh, the negative voice just kind of said, I love you it. Know. I love it. <laughs> the negative voice was like, Look, I know that we've had our problems in the past, I get it. Um, but look, I'm also trying to keep you safe right? If you just listen to the positive voice all the time, you would be run into the ground thinking you can do every single thing. I know we have problems. All I'm saying is I'm just here sometimes to just sort of give you a counter opinion. So we let her stay for a little while just to offer that counter opinion. But I think the most important thing is that I know what she's up to, right? If you don't know what that negative voice is up to, you'll think it's the truth. And that's one of the uh, issues. And now I know that it's not the truth. Um, it is just offering this very dark, negative view of the world. But sometimes the world is a very dark, negative place. <laughs> you know, so they've sort of, you know, not, you yeah. know, they're, they're sort of cohabitating um, in my, in my um, head a little bit. And, but that, I, I just tell people that that self-talk is really uh, the, the key there to that um yeah. because that's just what we tell ourselves on a on a day-to-day basis um is important yeah. um i love i they- love
0: that analogy i mean it's it's very much the angel and the devil on the shoulder right, right?
1: except that they're
0: you yeah they're, yeah you know, they're part of you and uh yeah anyways go ahead <laughs>
1: well one thing that um Changed for me very recently. This is very recent development. Um, in 2020, you know, I think uh, as we all know, 2020 was um, not a very fun year for all of us. Um, and one of those issues were the uh, that came to well that more people grew to understand was racial inequity. And um, there was one thing about imposter syndrome. I guess this hit me late. I not know, 2019 or whatever, that never really quite jived with me. And I never knew what it was. Um, I think there was this sort of element of, you're a perfectionist, you've come up with this impossible standard, and now you can't live up with it. And now you're sad. So fix yourself. You know, that was sort of the, I mean, obviously it's a vast oversimplification, but it was something very much about that, that I just, but I didn't, couldn't articulate what about that rubbed me the wrong way that I was somehow um, coming up with a standard that I couldn't make. And I, I guarantee mm-hmm. there is a part of that that's there, but there's something else. And it wasn't until um, you know, last year where I had the ability to, even as a black woman, um, really start being able to connect the dots between a microaggression and systemic racism, even though I thought I was plenty woke, turns out I can be woker, um, that something started to click for me. And um, that is the fact that, you know, sort of the origin of where these these come from. And mm-hmm. I kept thinking back and thinking back and thinking back. And then I remembered something so I, as we mentioned, I'm I'm from Detroit, and I grew up in Detroit in the 70s and 80s, and uh, not a great time for Detroit. Um, so I was in elementary school right at White Flight, where property taxes dropped, and the school system suffered for that and many other reasons. And so um, I'm in school, and my my world is all black for all intents and purposes. My neighborhood area had a very heavy Middle Eastern population. For, but for all intents and purposes, um, it was a Black world for me. And um, I knew in real time that something was amiss with the education I was getting. Now, I don't want to besmirch. If you went, were in high school in the 80s, not a problem in Detroit. But I knew that something wasn't quite kosher about how much I was learning. And mostly because I watched PBS. I was obsessed with PBS. And I was like, there's like a whole thing out there that maybe we should be learning, but we're not. Okay. So I go, so I'm already feeling this thing, you know, this sort of angst, like, ooh, this, I don't know about this, but I'm going to college. So I go to college and I go to Michigan State. And one of the things um, about this particular year, um, and I entered, it was 1988, was um, there was a lot of racial upheaval on the campus at this time. And it actually, I won't say culminated, but actually resulted that year in 1989, where a bunch of black students actually took over the student services building and had a sit-in. So up until that point, there was a lot of stuff going on. Now, of course, I'm 18. (laughs) I I come from an all black world. I don't know what's happening. Um, But I know one message was clear. And that message was that the only reason I was there was because of affirmative action. And that I have taken the spot of some poor white boy who is way smarter than me, um, who deserved to be there. And I stole Hmm. his spot. And not only did I steal his spot, but now he and his parents have to pay because only Black people are on um, financial aid. So these are the messages that I'm getting immediately. That on top of microaggression after microaggression, primarily from professors. Um, And when you leave college, you you don't get to take the racism Silkwood shower, right? I mean, it stays with you and you're also 22. And it was the Gulf War. There was a recession. I have an English degree, which I didn't know what to do with anyway. And so my point is, is that I entered this game being told, I didn't make it up, you know, being told that I wasn't good enough. From 18, and I can only imagine what people who who grew up in different environments, black people and other people of color, um, what they, if they grew up in areas that were, you know, predominantly white or what have you, um, and how they dealt with it from age eight, seven, seven, but at 18, it was a shock you know, to me and, you know, to realize that in my handy Michigan map, that the rest of this didn't look like that. You know, I was like, okay, so Detroit's an anomaly. Um, You know, Uh, and so navigating that, I came out the gate feeling insecure about my public school education, then feeling insecure about why I was in college and that I deserved to be there. And then also I'm 22 and don't know what to do and didn't have any role models or anyone to help The problem is of course, you're not conscious of this. You don't know this because it's an icky thing to know that you're still damaged by something that happened when you were 20 years old and here you are 50 You know, and throughout your life, like you don't want that to be true. You want that, hey, that was, I dealt with that. That's cool. And then it comes down on you that actually you You didn't deal with it. Yeah, you didn't deal with it. And the question is now, how in the heck are you supposed to feel? Like how how would you ever feel good enough if you never were told you were good enough? Like if you if the world was specifically designed yeah. to tell you that you aren't good enough. And there's that article that came out recently published by the Harvard Business Review called uh, um, Stop Telling Women They Have Imposter Syndrome. And that's when it clicked for me. I didn't even read it. I just saw a black woman wrote it. I saw the titles, like I know exactly what's in this article. I don't even have to read it. And I finally read it. It was like, I know, yeah, that's exactly what I said, you know, that these definitions don't take, um, you know, uh, being you know, systemic racism and, and prejudice and all that into into account. Um, so that was interesting and it was a very healing for me because again, I, I will make myself feel bad about feeling bad. And once I realized, oh, Hadia, it's been an uphill battle from the beginning, whether you acknowledge it or not. Now, again, there is still some Hadiyah saying, I can do anything. And then you like, I can't. <laughs> you know, there's still, I'm still a, a, a human yeah. woman who still is ambitious yeah. and will still, you know, say, do something great and then go, eh, anyone can do that. Anyone can write a book. Uh-huh. Anyone can do Discount that. Discount it. Yep. Yeah. Discatholic. Like, didn't even mention it. You're like, did you write a book? I'm like, oh, that old thing. Um, yeah. So, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I mean, I still do that just as a human person, not, you know, necessarily because sure. of my background, but it all, you know, it's just sort of like I have on this coat and then I have a million other coats on. I have Joseph's Technicolor Racism gym coat on that also um, is going to affect how I am, how I am, am living and and navigating these spaces. Um, so yeah, absolutely. That's a lot, (laughs) but
0: uh. yeah, it is. But thank you for sharing that because I think both of those perspectives, your analogy about the angel and the devil on the shoulder, and then, you know, recognizing that the messaging that you received, uh, growing up, is what has shaped your sense of self and what Mm -hmm. you can and cannot do because of those messages. Um, and, uh, and it's, it's interesting to hear you say that and to listen to some of the other interviews I've done who in different words have said the same thing that the way that they were raised, I had one person who, um, believes that if he says he's good at something, that means he's arrogant
1: Mm-hmm,
0: mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, because that's how he was raised he was raised not to say you're not supposed to say you're good at something that means you're arrogant so he doesn't want to be arrogant
1: and yeah yeah I mean, and it's true too about you know black women you know trying to claim spaces that just to even stand up for yourself
0: mm-hmm. is
1: to say that you're hostile you're angry yeah. and so angry. you just have to yeah. be the angry black woman and so you you just have to sort of you know smile it away and for me Um, a big defense mechanism for me is, is humor. So I think not only, yeah, (laughs) I think, uh, you know, one of the things that humor allowed me to do was not just um, mask my feelings from the world, but mask them from myself. You know, I got so adept at it that, uh, you know, I was able to not to not see these things at all. But you also, it's just a creepy feeling to know that someone, some other ideas could be driving the narrative of your life. And that, frankly, Mm -hmm. it may be too late, you know, for you to kind of, I mean, it's, it's a part of you. And so, you know, I just sort of say, when I think about how I navigate this now going forward, is you know again those um i have this box of cards i had it years ago uh, i always i've really worked hard to change my um the, the way i talk to myself and the way i think and but you run out of so many you run out of stuff you know eventually it's just like okay yeah i'm great okay yeah. that's fine but i need a little bit more creativity so i got these from amazon years ago they're called power thought cards cards by Louise Hay. Oh, nice. And it's just a bunch of cards that every night I just look at one. And, um, you know, it says, uh, like one is, um, I accept my uniqueness. And then on the back, it says, there's no competition and no comparison, um, for we are all different and meant to be that way. I am special and wonderful. I love myself. Right. So every night, and sometimes they just hit you and you're like, that's exactly what I'm going through, um, and so it's just one of those tools that I use to just very subtly change my wiring, because that really is is what it is. Yeah. You you're wired to think this way, and you're wired for self doubt, um, and um, just trying to navigate that while you know doing all these other things. But luckily, I have my inner agent. Who is not scared to sign up yes. for stuff and not scared to say, yes. "Yeah, I can speak yes here, I can speak you. there, and speak <laughs> there," and you know, and I have gradually pushed myself, but there, you know, I'm, I'm reaching a point where I need to push further, and that's a scary thing. And how I shape my business and approach my business, being freelance versus, you know, I tell people it's a big difference between being freelance and being a business owner. Uh, the IRS sees them the same, obviously. But, um, you know, when you're freelancing, there's free for a reason. You don't have to tell people where you are, what you're doing. And I love that. But when you're a business owner, apparently people need to know where you are. (laughs) Apparently people need to know what your vision is. They need to talk to you. They need to. And that's a very different world. And sometimes I question whether or not I'm avoiding some of that because I'm afraid I'm going to let people down. I think people are going to let me down. I don't know how, don't know how to act. And mostly because I'm afraid I'm going to let them down when someone let me down. Um, so it does yeah. manifest that way in my life, but um, it, you know, it's, it's where I sort of constantly, am sort of testing these boundaries is in that other segment of my life, which is the speaking and the writing and all of those things um, where I just sort of do it to push that boundary and just to see how far I can go and how far I will I will take it. Um, I was, I'm on a, I've been on a health journey for a year and a half, or well, since March 2020, so about a year now, and I was working out today and uh, I was like, what am I doing this for? Even though I've seen tremendous success, there's still that, who cares? Like, what are you doing this for? What are you trying to prove? Yep. What, are, what are you Been trying there. to prove? And this thought came to me. I love quotes. I love my little quotes that come up. And, and I'm sure, again, I even downplay the quote. I'm sure I've heard it before. But this is a, a quote that I came up with just today of, you're not doing this to be worthy. You're doing this because you are worthy. I was like, oh, that's mm. a good one. Mm-hmm. That's, a, that's going into the book of idealisms, mm-hmm. right there. You know, that I am <laughs> worthy of uh of speaking i am worthy of sharing my knowledge already you don't do it to be worthy so that people can give you accolades and tell you uh you know because there's always some snipers buried in that feedback and that's all you remember you get 50 oh Oh, yeah you're great and you get one you're like i'm a terrible person um you know so you (laughs) you have to just sort of say look you know I'm doing this because I'm already worthy not to be worthy. And that, that really, yeah. at least in the last eight hours has helped me a great deal. <laughs> since I thought of it has helped me, yeah. um, a great deal. Yeah. So,
0: Yeah. I think that's going to help me too. So i definitely think I was here to receive that. So I will take that with me <laughs> when I go. Um, so, so speaking of coping, you talked about your cards and your quotes. Are there other other techniques that you sort of put into practice to help you when you have these moments, either short-term moments or longer-term moments? Because I know sometimes imposter syndrome can last you a week. Sometimes it's, you know, an hour and a half before you have to speak type of thing. Uh, but are there things that you do that help make it better?
1: Um. Well, when I'm in in the moment, I ignore it. I mean, I think that is... That's really the only you can only um, hum in mantra and uh, hope so much when you just have to just dive in and take that thought and put it in a box and store it somewhere else. It will come back. It will come back that night. <laughs> it will come back t- 30 seconds, maybe five seconds before you open your mouth and say, hi, everyone, I'm Hadiya. I'm here. It will come back then, but I it goes away immediately. And that's what's so interesting about it. It's like before I'm just sort of wrecked with like, I can't, this is not why these people here, it's a big joke, people are. <laughs> this is an elaborate prank. <laughs> um, and then as soon as you start speaking, it's over. Like you don't feel anything. And I hold yeah. on to that. I hold on to that moment and I know it's coming because it's come enough. And I know that that, so I just hold on. I just hang on. Idea, you're going to do this, whether you like it or not, it's going to happen. Um, I was um, a few years ago, I spoke at technology and uh, there was a person in the room I kind of wanted to impress, but not really. I didn't know why I wanted to impress this person, but I did kind of want to impress this person and I didn't expect that person to be there. And they were, and I felt, and I knew that um, it, this was going to be recorded, what was being recorded. So and there's a big camera there. Mm-hmm. And so I was like, as I'm going through it, I'm like, this has got to be the worst presentation I've ever given. I've really got into my head. It's absolutely. Yeah terrible. I was, oh my God, I'm stuttering. It's, and I just was dying, but I just hammered through. Luckily it was recorded. When I looked at that recording, I'm not saying, you know, it was, you know, Steve Jobs, but it was (laughs) such a disconnect from what I thought was happening on that stage. It was nothing like I thought was happening. So I, I cherish that moment because now, I think just the other day, I was talking on some some panel or something and I was like, God, I sound like a freaking idiot. And then I remembered that. Remember technology, idiot, remember technology, you're fine, don't worry about it, yeah. remember technology um fine. and then um i played it back and um i cried it was so beautiful now uh, <laughs> but i didn't sound like you know <laughs> the, the moron i had was telling myself so you got to i got to always like get out of get out of your head it really again it always kind of goes back to that self talk you know of idea, remember technology you know or idea, remember as soon as yeah. you start talking it'll be fine just hold on until you start talking just hold on till you start it's just me Coaching, coaching myself. Sometimes I negotiate these things so well. I'm yeah. like, I wish I negotiated for my business the way I negotiate just to walk, just to walk into a room. guess <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> I'm like, okay, this is what we're gonna do. If you right. walk into that room, I swear to God, I'm gonna do this for you. you know? <laughs> like I'm such a good negotiator for my with myself. <laughs> wish I was with other things. Yes.
0: Yeah. Well, those are awesome techniques, and uh, thank you for sharing those. Which, what would you share? what would you share with someone who is experiencing imposter syndrome right now? What would you tell them?
1: You know, let me, I, I, I will have to say that it is true that, uh, you know, as I mentioned, some people are snipers and you get back in, you get into the feedback and a lot of them are just being meanies, but, a lot of it, sometimes it's true. You know, sometimes there's, you know, you weren't as prepared as you could have been. You know that, um, you knew that this slide didn't quite, but you You had, it was a hurry. You had to do it. Like you You knew some of those things. So I learn from those things and knowing where the line is between what's true and what's just meant, you know, to anonymously get to you are, you know, two different You know, two different things. So I guess I bring that up to say that there is a line between people. I'm thinking that I'm not good enough and I'm really great because you may not be like, you know what I mean? Like you, you have to, you need the proof to yourself. Like you need to. Um, make sure that you are being consciously aware of really what you're doing. This is not a given thing. It's not a given thing that just because you think you're bad at public speaking, that you're really secretly great at it, but you just sort of think you're bad at it. Like, that's not the math. That's not the equation. So you have to really start thinking, is this true? What's true and what's not true? Um, I tend to think that for most of us, it is absolutely not true. But you have to sort of think of what is it about it that's making me insecure? Is it really that I have this imposter syndrome or is it because what I'm feeling is echoing my own doubts about what I've seen before, seen from others, and maybe I'm not you know, as polished or not whatever I want? So you have to just be able to decipher what's true. From what's not true, you don't want to cut yourself off and say, mm-hmm. "I'm not going to listen to anyone I'm not going to listen to that because it's all attacks, and you know it's in my head and it's not true um you you just have to sort of take that as a piece of data on your journey and then really think about who do you, who do you who are you what are you presenting to the world, how are you um helping people i think and that's another thing I say a lot you know um I say, when we do these things, think of this as a, um, not a spotlight, but a headlight. Another Hadeaism that I came up with a while back, which I Mm love, in that don't think about, it's just me putting a spotlight on me and how special I am and how, it's how can you be a headlight for others? How can you shine the light forward um, for others? Um, And I find that that takes some of the pressure off me trying to be this perfect person, and instead saying, I am an expert in my own experience. And that is a valuable thing. That's an important thing. And that is something that people can grow and learn from, and that I can help people with, and no one can take that from me. Um, Am I an expert in this topic and that topic? Maybe not. And so I'm not going to pretend or try to be but I am an expert in my approach to applying that topic and what I've seen from that topic. And the rest will come in time. I mean, a lot of this is just time, you know, it's just time. Yeah. It's not going to happen overnight. You know, what I thought about, like, just like was um, I said about Michigan state, you know, that it, if you were, we would have been talking about this in 2018 where I would have never come up. It would have never come up as something that I realized I was carrying with me and was fueling this thought of me being an imposter and was formed the, the basis, the very foundation of what it meant to be a professional and not be good enough at the same time in the face of all this proof that you are. Just like I had proof that I deserved to be at Michigan State, but no one cared. What mattered was you know, the climate at the time, and what mattered was my skin color. What mattered where I, that I was educated in Detroit. That's all that mattered. Even though, in the face of the proof that I had, um, and the same is true day to day. In the face of the proof that I have, that I am good enough, I still am haunted by not being good enough. Right? Yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah. You're the second person that's called it a haunting. And I think it is it
1: is a haunting you know and i love paranormal mm-hmm. shows so you know it is that idea of out the corner of your eye <laughs> just someone no she is not trying, you it's know of person. hearing things of thinking yeah. that you know uh and you know i can uh, obviously know i've been talking about voices but i know they're not actual voices <laughs> just just how you know okay uh, good but, thanks uh, for clearing that up I, yeah i know, just in case anyone tries to get me committed um yes, but uh case. yeah it's uh, yeah, it's been, it's been a journey. And uh, I just, I, I, you know, I'm glad you're doing this and I hope that people and, you know, I want everyone to benefit from this, but especially, you know, being biased, I hope that any um, women of color, specifically, you know, African-American black women out there who are watching this will know that there is a legacy here. There is a history here you aren't just making this up. You know, people told you, and it maybe directly to your face or through other means that you weren't good enough and acknowledge yeah. it and keep it moving. Yeah.
0: Yeah. And then my last question to you was going to be, why did you want to be part of this imposter syndrome project? But I think you just answered it.
1: Yeah. Maybe. Yeah. You have yeah. What's well, the point of a lesson <laughs> learned if you don't I wish I had learned it younger, but like, again, I don't think you, you can, it's time. It's time. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, that makes time and experience, you know, over and over again. And that same lesson will just change, you know, and you talk to me in 10 years when I'm 60, I'll be like, I said that oh, I must've been talking crazy. I must've been drunk <laughs> when I said, that. <laughs> that doesn't make any sense. Does that
0: make sense to you? Um,
1: but who, uh, you know, you know, who (laughs) knows that's, that's what life is. That's what the life lessons are for to change over time and you grow with them and they grow with you.
0: Yeah. And we, we appreciate, uh, your vulnerability and sharing your story with us today. Um, thank you so much, Hidea. Thank you, Betty. If you like this series or any of the If You Ask Betty content, please go to buymeacoffee.com forward slash If You Ask Betty to learn how you can support this and future If You Ask Betty projects. And be sure to check out more episodes of podcast series, I Have Questions About Imposter Syndrome. Peace out.